Only a few more days. Only a few more days. A week from now, you'll be all sugared up at home. Your parents will be bringing you snacks. You'll have slept through several football games. You will be completely chill out. But between now and then, you got a little bit of work to do. A little bit of thing, a couple things. Check off the list. You'll do it. You'll do it. Several of you have done it before. Some of you will do it now for the first time, and you will accomplish more than you think you can, more than you could ask or imagine. <laughs> will be accomplished in the next few days. So just take a collective breath. It's all going to be fine. Yes, exactly right. Some of you just actually literally need to breathe a little bit more. We've been taking an offering. Um, we started a few weeks into the semester, and it's been for our community care fund. And uh, tonight is probably going to put us over $2,000 that we have collected. So that is great. God has shown his faithfulness to this community through your generosity, and uh, we thank you for that. This will be the last offering for the Community Care Fund for the semester, obviously. Um, in interim, we're going to be collecting for Living Water International, and that'll be our focus for the month of January. It'll also be our focus for the first week of second semester when the head of Living Water International, Calvin alum, Calvin Parent, will come and speak at Regathering. Regathering is a big kickoff event to start second semester. It will be in the arena. We'll have lots of cool fundraising things between now and then, which could involve several administrators possibly jumping into the SEM pond in February. So look for that. Yes. So if there are any bake sales you want to hold over the Christmas break to start stocking up your, your fund for that, heads up. Living Water International will be our focus for January. At this time, I invite you to, uh, if you're able to come forward and bring your gifts, there's a basket here and a basket here, and if some of you just need to literally take this time to breathe and transition into the hearing of God's word, you can do that at this time. Let's give our gifts to God. The very end of Ephesians is what we're looking at tonight. You can find it on page 952 and 953 in your pew Bibles. You'll probably be helped by keeping it open as we look at God's word for us tonight. <clears throat> Ephesians 6, we're beginning to read at verse 18. Paul writes this. 
Pray in the Spirit at all times and in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me, so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I must speak. So that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing, Tychicus will tell you everything. He's a dear brother and a faithful minister in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts. Peace be to the whole community and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who have an undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. So we've made it to the end. We've had 13 different sermons taking us from the very first verse of this book all the way to the end. We started on Labor Day weekend, and now we are knocking on the door of Christmas. And between then and now, we've covered lots of things. We've talked about God's choosing, God's election, God's empowering of us by the Holy Spirit, the breaking down of the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile, what the new church looks like. We've talked about everything from sex and drinking to husbands and wives to the armor of God. We've talked about it all. But before we slap a bow on this thing and call it good, there's one more key aspect of the letter of Ephesians that we need to pay some attention to tonight. Paul wrote this letter while he was in jail. In jail. In Rome. Now, that's a problem for most people. But for Paul in particular, this meant that he had to stay in one place for an extended period of time. And Paul was a global traveler. He was a church planter. He wanted to get out and get the gospel everywhere that it had never been before. Paul could tell stories about singing hymns in that jail in Philippi. He could talk about the council in Jerusalem. He could talk about preaching in Athens. He could tell stories after stories after stories, and he still always got misty-eyed when he talked about Damascus. Paul had one of those passports that had to have the extra pages stapled in the back of it. He had one of those suitcases that was just wrapped with duct tape. He was the kind of guy that you want to get behind in the security lane because he knew exactly how to do it. He had been around the world. And he wanted to go more places. He gives hints about doing a trip to Spain. He's ready to go. He's fired up. The gospel is burning inside him, and he wants to get it out to everybody. And here he is. <sighs> in jail. Probably a shackles on his feet. Could be under house arrest. Could be literally shackled to a Roman soldier. Can you picture that? Can you picture a soldier standing here shackled? I have to go this way now. <laughs> a global traveler. He'd been shipwrecked, he'd been beaten, he'd done all forms of transportation all around the world, and now if he wants to move two spaces, he has to ask permission. 
He had every reason to think that God had abandoned him. He had every reason to think that God didn't care. Every reason to think that his, his big adventure as a missionary, an apostle for Christ Jesus was over. But did he? Did he shake his fist at heaven? Did he slowly pace out in his cell? Did he get a spoon and try to dig through the wall to get into the sewer line so he could make his big escape? No. This is what he writes. Verse 19. Pray also for me, so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I must speak. He doesn't pray for a get-out-of-jail-free card. He doesn't pray for better attorneys. He doesn't pray for some big miracle that's just going to whisk him away. He says, pray that right here, right now, in these chains, I can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right here, right now. Right here, right now. We spend a lot of time around here talking about over there and someday when and I don't know but it'll be and in the future I hope to. We spend a lot of time talking about what's your major and what are you going to be when you grow up and where are you going to go to graduate school and haven't you gotten a job yet because you graduate in December, Kat. Bennett, where are you? Bennett, you great. Come on, let's go. Let's get with a job. What are you going to do? Where are you going to live? How are you going to make ends meet? What's the future like? What's your plan? I know you're just finishing your first semester of your freshman year, but haven't you charted out the next three and a half years? When's your semester abroad going to be? There are decisions that need to be made. You're going to go home. I know some of you are like, oh. You're going to go home for break, and this is what your relatives are going to ask you. I'm just getting you ready. What's your major? Where are you going to live legally next year? <laughs> They're going to ask you these things. They're going to want to know your plans because we always talk about our plans. Well, you know, I do hope to do this and then after that I'm going to do that and then someday I'll do that. And that constantly keeps our eyes looking at this December or next May or maybe the May after that or the May after that or May after that or maybe the May after that. Someday. And I think those are really important conversations to have. But I think they may also blind us to something really important. My first year at seminary, I hated seminary. I hated it. True confession's time. <laughs> hated it. And I hated it because it felt like what I was doing in seminary was just so foreign to what I really wanted to be doing. I wanted to be out there pastoring a church and preaching sermons and loving on people, and instead I'm like reading church history and memorizing Hebrew vocabulary, and it just seems so impractical and irrelevant, and I just 
struggled through that first year thinking, how is this ever going to help me in my life? And then at the very start of my second year at our convocation, my Hebrew professor got up and he gave the convocation address. And he said that if God had called us to pastoral ministry, then God had also called us to seminary. God's call didn't start. It didn't click in when we graduated someday. It was right then, right there, in that spot. And I felt the Holy Spirit kind of look at me and raise his eyebrows. <laughs> Have you ever got one of those looks from the Holy Spirit? Kind of make you go, oh, that was for me. He said, you have got to figure out right here, right now, what I've called you to do, who I've called you to be, right here, right now. Paul got really good at figuring out what God wanted him to do right here, right now. He talks in his letter to the Philippians about being content in all circumstances, but he also talks about the fact that he had to learn that. I have learned to be content in all circumstances. And Paul learned that over time as he ran into seemingly barrier after barrier to do what he really wanted to do until at some point he realized, oh, the barriers are what I am supposed to do. And you see this in the book of Acts. He gets into a shipwreck and he starts converting to sailors. And then, then he's in jail over here in Philippians and starts to sing, <laughs> converts the jailer. And then he's dragged before high Roman officials and he stands there in chains and he makes a very logical, articulate case for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He realized that all these other things weren't barriers to his real job as a church planter. They were all part of the call that God had placed on his life to proclaim the gospel wherever he was. Pray for me now, he says, as I am an ambassador in chains. He saw the struggles he, were go he was going through, even though I'm sure he didn't like them and were told in different places through the New Testament that he fought against some of these struggles but he learned to see them as part and parcel of what God had called him to do. Flip back to chapter 3. Look at the very first verse of Ephesians 3. This is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. And then to verse 6, this is it. The Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, sharers in the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I have become a servant, a slave, according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power. And then verse 13, I pray therefore that you may not lose heart over my sufferings for you. They are your glory. Instead of fighting against the place where he was, he used the place where he was to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he sends Tychicus out. Do you get this? Verse 22, chapter 6. 
I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts. Here's the guy who's got his skin rubbed raw by the shackles around his leg, and he's thinking, oh, I really should send something encouraging out. I think people probably need it. So I'm going to send Tychicus. I have like one friend, and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to send him out because you, you all need some encouragement. So here you go. Now, how was he able to do this? How was he able to find the strength of character, to find the energy, to find the emotional resilience that it takes to say, here I am in chains, but you know what I want to do first? I want to lay out some really good theology for you. So I, think you I think you need to know this stuff. This is really interesting. And you Jews and your Gentiles, you're having a bit of a trouble with each other. So let me, let me just clarify some things for you here a little bit. And then I'm hearing some things about the way you're living, and that's not good. So, so let me just lay out some, some really cool things to do here that are much better than those pagan things. You don't want to do that anymore. And then um, I've heard that the intimate relationships need a little attention, so let's, let's work on those. And then I just want to remind everybody that we are armored. We are soldiered up. I just, how do you do that? How do you do that when you can, like, walk... A pace and a half. Paul is able to do that because Paul actually believes all of the things he's written so far in Ephesians. He actually believes that God loves him. He actually believes that God has chosen him for a purpose and empowered him through the Holy Spirit. He actually believes that the church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. He actually believes that once people follow Jesus Christ with all that they have, then the world will change. He actually believes this stuff. So the fact that he happens to be stuck to a Roman soldier is just a minor inconvenience for him because now he gets to sit down and write it all out. And because of that, we've got it today. He was faithful right where he was, and he was able to be faithful because he knew his God. A God who did choose him. A God who did call him. A God who did empower him. And a God who promised him that the struggles that he was enduring in this world were just short term. And that he would work even through them. What does God want you to do right here, right now? Not someday, when you graduate, when you get a job, when you become a grown-up. Right now. How can God transform the world of Third Benink through you? How can God transform the Calvin Theater Company through you? How can God change the swimming team, the anime club? How can he change Capella through you? Who on your floor needs to be prayed for and needs to be told that they're being prayed for? Who in your world needs somebody to just sit with them at lunch? Who, tonight, needs someone to walk over to them, maybe give them a cookie, and tell them that at the end of the week, it's all going to be over? If you believe all the things that we have been talking about here, 
all of these things we've covered over the semester, then you know that we serve a God who is infinitely more powerful and more creative, and that, according to chapter 3, that power is at work within us. That's how Paul was able to write what he wrote, when he wrote it, where he wrote it. Because he believed that God was using him right there, right then. What's God going to do through you right here, right now? And then look at these last two verses. These last two verses of the letter. Paul says this, Peace be to the whole community and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be to all who have an undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. In these last two verses, we get a summary of the whole letter. Because the first half of the letter was all about what God has done for us, how much God loves us. And the second half of the letter is all about how we express back to God our undying love for Jesus Christ. It's this big circle of God loves us, and we return that love back to God. It imitates the Trinity. It mirrors the Trinity, where the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit exist eternally in love for each other. And God, Father, Son, and Spirit invite us into that circle to experience the love of God and to dedicate ourselves back out of love. You get to be in that circle. You get to experience the love of God and respond with undying love for Jesus Christ. And since we're ending this letter tonight, what we're going to invite you all to do in just a few minutes is to write a letter yourself. We're going to have images on the screen that remind us of some of the things that we've studied together over Ephesians. And we invite you to write a letter to yourself in which you claim the promises of God and dedicate yourself to an undying love back. What are the things that you really need to remember from this series? Where are the places where the Holy Spirit has raised his eyebrows at you? Where are the places where God has opened his arms and reminded you of how much he loves you? Where are the places where you've remembered to throw big airplane prayers at God? There, in just a moment, the worship apprentices are going to hand out an envelope, a sheet of paper, and a pen. Take time, write a letter, address it to yourself, put it in the envelope, seal it. Use your local address. So if you're on campus, you can just put down your ICM address. If you're off campus, print it clearly because we'll be stamping them and mailing them out at a future time. But just take your time and listen to what the Holy Spirit is inviting you to recall, to remember, to rededicate as we move forward. When you're done, just bring the letter forward, drop it along with the pen in one of the baskets. Let's pray together. God, we praise you that you were so alive, so real to Paul, that from a jail cell where he could hardly move, he was able to get the word out to proclaim the gospel, and through him you have changed the world. 
We thank you that your word is living and active, that it's sharper than a double-edged sword, and that this letter that was written to our brothers and sisters centuries ago can still come and give us hope, give us grace, convict us of our sin, call us to righteousness. We thank you for the great images in this letter of adoption, of the dividing walls being broken down, of growing up into Christ, of putting on your armor. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will move in and among my brothers and sisters here tonight. So as they write words to themselves, it will be your voice that's whispering to them. We pray this through Jesus Christ, for whom we have an undying love. Amen.